Hey there, everybody. Thank you so very much once more for stopping by and checking out TLC Presents Conversations. We're very honored to have your time and attention and bringing you some subjects and some people that share some ideas and philosophies about what's going on in the world. Uh, we think it's so important to elevate these conversations. And I'm really, really happy to have a buddy of mine sitting over here next to me. Please, everybody, give it up to my friend Bob Kirsch, please. Welcome, brother. Welcome, brother Bob. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me on, Todd. This is a pleasure and an honor. Oh, dude, the honor is mine, believe me. And, and for everybody that doesn't know, Bob, he's got a great history in our industry. But more importantly, Bob's on a new, new venture in his life, which really intrigues me, which is why I've asked him to come on and share with us. Bob's now uh, the managing partner at Kirsch Equity Investments. And, and uh, today I really want to talk about what is the investment community? What does it mean? What is it all about? Um, because so much press and so many things are talked about series a series b series d angel investors this 400 million here 300 million here and everybody just sees money getting thrown at everything but there's a strategy behind it there's a process behind it. there's a thought process and so i want to peel that back a little bit and i couldn't think of a better person to talk to with you because you come from the heart when you look at this stuff and i was so taken aback by the time we share talking about this um about your philosophies and i want to get into that i think it's super important so again welcome and thank you for uh, hanging out with me today yeah, you bet. Now yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Cool. So for those that don't know, um, let's just start. Would you just kind of give everybody a little bit of your journey working yeah. in the family business and, sure. and, you know, who you are and everything else? Yeah. So, you know, when I was uh, when I was, you know, graduating from, you know, you know, college at Butler University here in Indianapolis, you know, I uh, go Bulldogs. Uh, what now? Yeah, go, go dogs. Bulldogs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Go Bulldogs. Um and, and, and met my wife, Kelly, or, you know, at the time, you know, it was my girlfriend or my fiance. And, you know, I was uh, getting ready to uh, graduate. Like I said, I was, I, was, I was getting ready to work for Kraft and worked there for a little bit. And they wanted to move me to Springfield, Illinois. And I told my, told my uh, wife or, or my fiance at the time, Kelly, and, and I go, hey, guess what? You know, got a promotion. We're moving to Springfield, Illinois. And she's like, we're not moving to Springfield, Illinois. Go talk to my dad and see if he'll give you a job. So I, uh, you know, I said, okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. So, you know, I did talk with uh, my father-in-law, Joe, or soon to be father-in-law, Joe, and he gave me an opportunity. Um, and um, I was, you know, I didn't know what to think. I thought to myself, well, you know, I'll jump into this. I have no idea what produce is and, and what it's all about. Family business, you know, you know, might as well just give it a try. So, you know, jumped right in and um, boy, I tell you what, it was um, probably one of the best decisions I ever made. You know, I, the experience was just unbelievable. Um, I was really, truly blessed to have the opportunity. Um, it was a fantastic experience. And when you're in the moment, you don't really realize that because sure. I mean, you're grinding and you're working hard and, and you're you know, going through the journey and you don't really have a lot of experience outside the one, the only one I really had. I mean, I had a little experience at craft and, and that experience, but you know, when you're a 22, 23 year old kid, um, you, you, just, you just don't really appreciate sort of what you have or what you're going through. Um, but um, boy, it was it was a wonderful journey and um, you know a great opportunity. I tell you that you know um, you know and you know me being an in-law, outlaw, son-in-law, depending on the day of the week, right? Um, Been there, done that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you know, you know, I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew that you know I was going to have people view me um, or have pre preconceived notions of uh, of you know, you know of of what could potentially. How I could potentially be, or um, some expectations. So, you know, I had to work really hard to just, you know, you know, gain trust and, and gain some loyalty, and you know, make make everyone understand that, you know, 
I was here to work side by side with you and, and just, you know, learn and hustle and just, you know, try to make this place, you know, uh, make Kaido Foods, you know, the best place it could be. So I think over time I gained everybody's respect. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a few people I didn't, but for the most part, you know, I did. And, and uh, it was really great opportunity. So I, I'm very blessed. I mean, what I really loved about, you know, just, you know, the, you know, Kaido Foods in general is just, you know, we just had a lot of energy, a lot of passion, you know, Phil and Joe built an unbelievable culture. And, sure. and, and what was wonderful was that everybody in the company had some sense of ownership. And, you know, man, I tell you, that's, that's a, it's a really valuable um, thing to have in an organization when you got everybody sort of rowing in the same direction, everybody passionate about what they're doing. Um, it was just, um, just a wonderful experience. And, and we were able to, you know, grow and build a business into something really, you know, tremendous and, Again, I, you know, I give a lot of credit to, you know, the culture Phil and Joe built and, and, and you know, the, just the platform that we were able to really just uh, grow and prosper in. Right. Uh, I love that. And, and again, I thank you. And I didn't say in the beginning, if I didn't bring up Kino Foods, right? And I want to lean into that now because I want to, because you, you, you've, you've got this great trajectory, right? You've built a great family business, but then all of a sudden, like a lot of family businesses, you get to the point of like, okay, what's next? Are we going to keep moving forward? We're going to think about an extra strategy where it's going to be. So, and you guys went down that trail you talked about, you know, you got to the point of like, Hey, we need to make, you know, this, this is, this is what we want to do next. And so you went from essentially sitting around the dinner table with your family, talking about how to run this business and the things that you're going to do to yeah. all of a sudden, now you're answering to shareholders from around the globe that you're never going to meet, that never don't care one lick about your day. Um, they only care about their own. And yeah. now you're working for a Fortune 500 company. And I'm imagining that's kind of like switching from, you know, regular coffee to decaf. It's definitely a shock in the morning. What yeah. Uh, yeah. can you share a little bit about that transformation and, and how that changed you, know, you a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, some of those roundtable family discussions, you know, uh, you know, we're one of the, I mean, one of some of the best memories I've ever had. I mean, we just, you know, we learned, you know, I learned so much and, you know, a lot of those were, um, you know, they were valuable experiences. I mean, we laughed, we cried, we shouted, we argued, we did all those things that, you know, you would imagine a typical family business would do. Um, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, we're always, you know, focused on a customer and, and focused on growing the business. And we're always aligned from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when we, when we sold, and, and again, like you said, every family business, you know, has sort of their life cycle and, and sort of how they go about it and how they look at it. And, you know, when we made the decision to sell, you know, you know, the family, um, it was the right decision, you know, looking back, um, I think it was the right decision for the shareholders and the second generation. Um, and, you know, Spartan Nash, who um, bought Kaido Foods, they were, um, you know, they're a wonderful company, um, you know, again, but they're, you know, a publicly traded company, a $9 billion business, you know, we were, you know, significantly smaller than that. We were a good size, but we weren't, you know, anywhere near, you know, that size. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, fitting us into their mix and, you know, us being part of a bigger organization was, you know, definitely different for, sure. um, for us. I mean, they had a different culture. Um, now I, would, I wouldn't say their culture was bad. It, it was just different. Um, you know, one of, you know, one of the things, you know, I learned a lot, you know, I was there for two and a half years, you know, you know, under, under Spartan Nash and, um, you know, you know, obviously, you know, very different, right. So, 
um, you know, there was more structure, you know, they had compliance, they had more meetings, they had earning calls. I mean, you know, these are things that, you know, I never had to experience. So it was, on one, on one hand, it was a great experience because I learned a lot and I really understood the inner workings of how a publicly traded company has to work and report to the public. Um, but, you know, yeah, it was different, you know, in a family business, you know, you were able to, you know, move on a dime, you know, right. Decisions came quicker. You know, we were able to just, you know, move at a faster pace and take advantage of opportunities. And, and I think within our industry, you know, as you well know, Todd, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of family businesses and, and a lot and people in, in companies and customers really like when you can move quicker and move a little bit faster. So, sure. um, you know, from that standpoint, you know, I really appreciated working for a family business where you're able to make, you know, quicker, faster decisions. You know, with a publicly traded company, they, you know, I understood why they couldn't make decisions, you know, as, as fast because, you know, they had these compliance things that they had to deal with. They had to deal with the public. They had to deal with things that, you know, um, you know, th that, you know, a privately held company didn't have to deal with. Um, you know, again, you know, we just had more meetings and more PowerPoints, you know, we, we analyzed a lot and, you know, just, you know, I think we overanalyzed, you know, probably to a point where, you know, it's like, you know, you know, you, you can sort of, you know, talk yourself out of the opportunity, but, um, you know, it was, it was a good experience. You know, I, I, there was a reason why, you know, I probably decided to move on was just because, you know, I wanted to get back to my entrepreneurial spirit. I think that's sort of how I grew up in the industry and, and grew up sure. with family. And so that's why I wanted to, and that's why I moved on, but, um, you know, Spartan Nash is a wonderful company and they got great people there and, um, you know, they're, they're doing really, they're, they're doing some really great things. So, um, just, just different ways of going about businesses. And, you know, you got to understand why, because of just the complexities. Of things. And, and well, you, you said something I think I, I want to kind of lean into a little bit. You talked about, you know, in a family business, you have the ability to create your culture. Right. Right. And during that time, that transition, when you went to Spartanet, you now inherited a culture. Right? right. And when you have culture A and culture B coming together, that's a challenge, right? That's, you know, that's a managerial challenge. That's a structural challenge. That, right. That is what so and so, you know, what you used to do. Not that it's a bad thing. You've got to do it this way now. Not that that's bad, but that's the way no. it has to be. Right. And I think that's a real big challenge with a lot of companies that um, sell or move on or change generationally, whatever you want to say, however they want to do it, is that the cultural part of that, I think, has probably got to be a, a challenge that's there's not really a rule book to overcome those cultural differences in some ways. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, um, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not bad. It just was different. No, and, you know, again, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and so those are the things that, you know, I, I you know, again, just had to sort of work through. Um, but yeah, no, I, again, you know, it was the, um, you know, the journey was unbelievable, you know, and the experience there, you know, just, you know growing up in that environment, um, you know, you know, we were typically, we were, a, we were a typical head, hedgehog company, you know, I mean, we were, um, you know, deeply passionate about what we did. You know, we really just, you know, we love selling produce. We love, you know, connecting with, customers. you know, we, we did it. We, in our minds, we did it better than anybody else in the world. And, you know, we knew how to make money doing it. And, right. um, you know, it was a lot of fun and we just, um, you know, met some great, wonderful people along the way. I mean, a lot of the people that uh, were still work at kind of foods or have moved on to do other things are still very close friends and, you know, it's um, it's just it was a wonderful culture, and, and I was just happy to be part of it and uh, able to watch that company grow and prosper. So I want to get I want to get into the equity part of all this, where you're headed sure. now, what you're up to, because I think it's yeah. just so fascinating, and I think it's going to be neat for people to hear, especially as young startups. You know, I mean, I'm 
do a lot of work in startup space and I've you know, been around it for a, for a while and it's really intriguing and interesting. And, and I know it's just not always about money with a startup. And so I think it's important to kind of, I want to touch on that a little bit as well, but yeah, sure. you just, let, let's go, let's just go right to the very beginning. Let's just, what is an angel investor? Let's just break yeah. it down for folks. Yeah. I mean, you know, an angel investor, I mean, for the most part, you know, they, they provide capital for a business, it, usually early stage investing, right? Seed stage, early stage, they'll come in and, and usually in a form of, you know, convertible note or in my, in, in my case, you know, you know, it's equity in a business. Um, it, it, it just depends on, you know, how you want to go about it. But yeah, it's usually early stage investing and it's usually an individual. Sometimes it's a, it's a fund. Um, you know, I, I, invest personally into, um, you know, companies, but I'm also part of, I'm an LP, a limited partner in, in a fund where they do the same thing, um, where I learn and, and, you know, just have a broader perspective when you're, you know, an LP in a bigger, you know, bigger fund that invests early stage stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, they just come in, they provide capital and, you know, in my case, and in, in, in probably most people's cases, when you're an early stage, you're providing more than just capital. You're providing, you know, some strategic value. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're providing um, a network, right? Um, you know, access to um, maybe more capital or access to a customer or, or someone that can help you grow the business, you know, at a much, you know, faster pace. Right. Um, right. You know, it's wisdom, it's mentorship. Those are the type of things that, you know, usually an angel investor will also bring to the table um, as well. So um, that's really what, you know, an angel investor is for the most part. Well, so tell me a little bit, because this is what intrigued me about our talk. And this is where I really want to kind of yeah. get into now is like, you know, cause, it's because you're investing from the heart. So sure. share with me a little bit about your personal investment philosophy. Yeah. I mean, look, when, when I look at the companies I invest in, you know, I look, I, I try to invest in companies that are making a positive impact in people's life and in humanity, you know, and, and I'll give you a couple of examples, you know, you know, a couple of business that, you know, I'm involved in, you know, they're, they're centered around, you know, health and wellness, you know, reducing the carbon footprint, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, work, uh, work health safe, safety. Um, you know, a company called Preventia that I'm involved in, you know, they're a telehealth network that combines lifestyle and behavioral health coaching with fresh food delivered in a marketplace. So, you know, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and what, you know, what I like about it is because most of, you know, believe it or not, most Americans, they, they don't have the education on how to eat right or exercise. And in some cases, you know, you know, maybe they're dealing with something with, you know, like, you know, mentally they're, they're struggling with something and they sure. need someone to talk to. I mean, especially this last, you know, 18 months, two years with COVID, you know, um, there's a lot of people that probably need some help just, you know, just talking with somebody and working with somebody. So this platform is a telehealth, you know, um, you know, behavioral health platform where they can log in, you know, find a, you know, a coach that they can talk to about, you know, how to eat right, how to exercise better, you know, if it's a, you know, if it's a behavioral or a mental health issue, they, they got someone they can talk to a network. And this network, you know, expands across the globe, so which is really cool. Plus, they have access to um, a marketplace where they can find some of these, you know, you know, foods that help them because it's not only exercise, right? It's also diet, right? So a lot of, a lot of people don't have access. Sometimes they don't have access to the right foods or they don't know how to prepare the meal to, to you know, eat healthier. So we're mm -hmm. trying to provide a, a platform or a solution where people can not only educate themselves on how to, you know, 
in, you know, do the right things in terms of diet and exercise, um, but also provide them a way to where they can get some of these, um, um, you know, goods online, you know, foods online to help them you know, maintain right. and strive to hit their goals. Well, I love that because, you know, yeah. if there's, if there's one thing that I, in my personal opinion on my soapbox with the microphone yeah. is the lack of energy that we are putting into vitamins, minerals, supplements, yeah. food, yeah. exercise in the fight against COVID, because right. we know the, the data is out there. You know, vitamin yeah. D seems to be helping. Zinc right. seems to be helping. Certain things seem to be helping and we don't have enough conversations about it. So Right. Believe me, I, I am appreciative of what you're, you know, appreciative of what that company is. And I, I think it's sure. great. And I think there's a good runway for that. So, yep. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, your core values for yourself are coming into this. So how does your core values affect, you know, kind of your decision-making process when you're looking at some of these companies? This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by RJO Produce. RJO Produce, closing the information gap in measuring fresh produce quality, quality driven, Quality delivered. Connect with us at rjoproduce.com. You know, what, 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 I, what I look at, you know, the core values and, and sort of my criteria when I look at a company is, you know, are we dealing with good, you know, strong, patchy people, good teams that really, mm -hmm. um, really want to make a difference in the world, really want to make a difference within their organizations and really create value in a, in a meaningful way. Um, you know, I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to partner with people that are just looking for a quick buck. Um, I'm looking for, you know, people that are looking to build long-term value and that that's impactful to people's lives and humanity across, you know, across the world. And, um, you know, look, I'm not saying that every investment I have is, 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 it's centered around that, but the majority of my investments are, and it's just my way of trying to give back and, and invest in, you know, companies that are going to really help, you know, just humanity in, in, in general. Um, it's, it's sort of conscientious stewardship, I call it, you know, just, you know, a steward. I like that. Of, yeah, they're, they're, they're conscious and, and, you know, they're, they're a steward of, of their business. They're a steward of their, of, of their of people that are working for them. Um, you know, one of my sons is in one of our startups and, you know, I get his perspective as being an employee and, and working for the founder and, you know, it's, 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 it's important that, you know, I know that, you know, the founders and the management team are treating their people in the right way, they're motivating them, they're educating them, they're, you know, they're communicating with them. You know, the worst thing, you know, I, you know, the one thing I always tried to do when I was, you know, run, running Kaido Foods when I, when, when I did was always be as direct as I could possibly be and as communicate as, as you know, as much as I can. Um, just to keep everybody in the loop and keep them motivated, keep them excited about, you know, our, our strategy and our plan and what we were doing. You know, I probably talk too much from time to time, but, um, you know, I, there's no such thing as over-communication in my mind. Um, but that's sort of where my core values, you know, sit. And I, I want to be able to be able to, um, you know, really, um, you know, just help. And, and, you know, I always tell people all the time, you know, when, when, when you're looking at investing, you know, there's, there's strategic capital and there's just capital, right? When I look at a cap table and what, I, what a cap table is, is the people that, you know, um, for people who don't know, it's, it's the people that have invested in the in business or the you know, particular company. And when I look at the cap table and I look on that, that cap table, I always look to see what type of people are investing in the business. If they have, you know, their grandmother and their aunt Millie and, you know, somebody else on there that doesn't, can't bring strategic 
you know, sort of value to the business, you know, I always just wonder like, okay, well, you know, you need to bring the right people into the organization at, at the investment level to help you grow and, and, and really develop and, and, you know, take this company where you, where you want it to go. Because mm-hmm. you can always get capital. It's just getting the right capital and getting the right people. Well, you said something, you talked about guys that invest for the quick buck yeah. versus guys that are going long-term. It's, I mean, and, and I'm going to get a little deeper into that yeah. as well, but is that really a problem? I mean, is it really, is it, is it kind of like the pirates out there in the Caribbean that are just floating around all of a sudden, you know, Hey, scurvy, we're going to go grab stuff and they pillage and, and bail. Is that, is there guys out there that are actually have a runway that can get to be kind of that cheesy or, or are they more, is it more of a perspective of like, hey, we're going to come in for a year and we're going to get our two percent back and we're bailing? Or is that kind of I mean, along there, those yeah, lines? I mean, look, I mean, every every sort of in you know PE firm or investment firm that that invest has their own sort of criteria and thesis, and the ones that are up front that tell you, hey, look, you know, we we want to we're, we're going to invest and in, you know, look, we want to get our return in the next three years or five years or a year, you know, as long as they're up front, and they tell you, you know, hey. You know, then it's your decision to make, you know, to make if you want to, you know, get going, get in bed with them. Um, but, you know, I, I think as, as long as you're up front and direct, um, you know, I think that, you know, obviously that's the right approach. So I'm not criticizing people that no. have that philosophy. I'm just saying that my philosophy is just, look, I want to I want to invest in companies that, you know, are in it for the long haul that are trying to create, you know, value. And, and look, will every company, you know, have that journey? Probably not. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not naive where I know that, you know, look, everybody, every, every business has their life, you know, sort of our life cycle. Sure. Um, but, you know, investing in businesses that have, you know, really in my mind that I believe that have long-term value and that have the same philosophy as I do is, is sort of, you know, those are the people and businesses I want to invest in. So. Yeah, no, absolutely no criticism of anybody's style yeah. or what they're trying right. to do. But I think I know you weren't to, saying that. I was just I'm yeah, sorry. but to get perspective because I think it's you know look again, people read somebody got three hundred million dollars, but they don't know what the hell that means. I mean, you yeah, know, right. it's just because they read the headlines, they don't get into the weeds with it, which is which is why I want to kind of draw that out. So if you can, and I'm not throwing yeah. anybody under the bus here, and I and you know yeah. you you can decline this question if you'd like, but can you share about a, a, an investment or an opportunity your group had? Um, that you went and looked at and you walked away because it just didn't fit the moral benchmarks or, you know, yeah. where you guys were at. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I won't get into the details on the company, but there's been, no. there's been a couple of companies where, you know, we'll, we'll go down the path, we'll meet with them and it's an engaging conversation. They actually have a pretty good business model and, you know, there's market potential there and, and you get excited about it, but then you, you know, you dig a little bit deeper and you, you know, peel back the onion and you do a little due diligence on the, on the, on the management team. And, you know, you, you know, in, in a couple of cases, we found some, some scars and some issues there. And we just backed away because we just didn't feel like, um, you know, the integrity was there and, you know, um, the discipline was there and the focus was, you know, and, and potential lack of focus. So, um, you know, I think it's really important as an investor, you, you really do that due diligence because, you know, there, there are people out there that, can present really well. They talk really well. They are engaging. They're you know they're you know, they're passionate. But you got to really do that diligence. You got to take that you know you got to dig a little bit deeper and make make sure that you're getting in the bed with people that have the you know moral integrity and the, and the and the purpose that you want to have, you know that you would like them to have. I think that goes part and parcel with hiring people. I think it goes part and parcel with any kind of brand recognition. I think it's a part of building a brand. It's a you know. It, 
if and I say this all the time, and I really believe it, that if you're going to build something, you're going to build a brand, you're going to start a company, whatever it is, you, you know, you have to start by putting your foot on the very first rung of the bottom of the ladder. And you have to go up one level at a time. If you start to skip or you start to jump too quickly, which people do, right? And, and you see that all the time. There's, I think that's where you see some of these young companies get a little sideways is because they spend more time chasing and putting out fires than they actually do putting energy into the proper steps to build. And I think right. that that could become a real issue. And I think that if you're, to, as the point that we talked earlier, if you're not culturally aligned, if you're not philosophically ready, you know, it's, I was, you know, it's, it's always about doing the right thing for the right reasons with the right people. That's a very powerful combination, yes. but you know, I could see where you walk in and it's like, wait a minute, you know, yeah, this is a great company. They got potential to make good money They're It's a great product, but here's this backside baggage that the public will never see until this baggage overwhelms the brand itself. And now we have problems trying to get out to marketplace. I'm assuming that's probably some of that paraphrased up a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, there, there was a company I did, we, we did invest in and um, it turned, it turned out to be okay. Cause we sold to, you know, we, we, we sold the business to somebody, you know, in the, in the, in the industry that would, is going to eventually turn into something pretty special. And we got some backside, hopefully interest down the road, but you know, the CEO was just lacked focus and, you know, he, he was always chasing that shiny new object from week to week. And that really bothered me because it's like, okay, well, I invested in this business because of this particular market opportunity or, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know business, you know, proposition. And it turned out to be, you know, you're chasing something different every week. And it's just, mm -hmm. I see that the red flag goes up because I'm like, okay, well, clearly they're, they're losing focus and they're not focused on what's really going to help them grow and build a sustainable business. And so you know, I, I get, you know, when I see that, I, I get real concerned, you know. Well, I've, I've, I've seen it myself and it's, and it's interesting because you've got a great product, but you have this lack of focus at the top. And once that happens, it becomes this domino effect all the way down and it right. makes it a real challenge. I want to lean back and I want to lean into this trail a little bit that we're on. Yeah. Um, so from your perspective, taking capital out of the equation, Sure. What's the biggest need that startups, you know, that, that require to get off the ground? I mean, capital is an easy answer, sure. right? But I think I think yeah. we're I think we got that part figured out. But I think you know you're yeah. leaning into such a great trail about morals and values and um, yeah. you know going down the right path to do the right thing. So you know, yeah. besides cap, what I mean, what type sure, of, I mean, and what is I, the commitment? Yeah, I would I would tell you that the, the, the three biggest things I see that you know startups need is they need mentorship. They need good mentors around them, around them that have been there, done that. Um, those people have the wisdom, right? And I always, I, I think, you know, I sent you the quote the other day, you know, with, you know, you can't buy wisdom. Wisdom's something you can't purchase, right? And, right. you know, yourself, you, you got to experience that, you know, guys like us with, who, who are, you know, guys in the business 20, 30 years, we're, we're starting to have wisdom now because we, we've been there, done that. We've seen some things and we've done some things. And we can draw from those experiences. So some of these younger companies and some of these younger, you know, you know, individuals that are coming up, they just don't have those experience. They don't have the experience set. They don't have the wisdom. So they need they need that mentorship. They need the wisdom, and um, and they need to help. They need people around them that can help them keep focused. And that's that's one of the biggest things because a lot of really smart entrepreneurial people, you know, they're a lot of them are attention deficit, you know, and and they just they tend to focus. You know, they, their focus is but sometimes really it's a challenge. So keeping them focused is another thing. And then really um, surrounding yourself with people that are well-networked, that have 
access to the right people at the right time. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing too. A lot of times, I mean, you know, there's one business where our cap table is, is, is really strong. We have a really great network. We can really help accelerate this business because we know that three or four people can open doors to, you know, significant customers very quickly. And, you know, that's, that's a great value to have. I mean, it's not, it's not capital, but it's, it's very strategic and it can re- really help accelerate, a, you know, business, you know, business growth. Well, those are the things that really I, you know, I, I see as besides capital, those are the things, you know, strong network mentorship um, and, and, you know, someone around them that can, you know, provide some wisdom. How much are you doing personally with some of these with some of these businesses? I mean, because you're, you're I'm imagining if you're yeah. if you're doing this for all the right reasons, right? And you're looking at yeah. this to make to make a social change. Sure. Uh, you're just not phoning it in. So how how involved are you with what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, so, so there's some investments where look, you know, they don't, you know, it's not my, you know, they don't necessarily need my my expertise. But there's quite a few of them where I'm pretty hands on. I'm talking to them on a weekly basis. I'm on two or three of their boards, you know, so I'm, you know, hands in, you know, I'm, I'm in there working with them, you know, strategically talking about, you know, the direction of the company, um, you know, talking with their, you know, their management teams on just, you know, how I can help them, um, you know, grow, develop, you know, you know, I've, I've put resources in there, for example, so they needed some consulting on some production and some, and some different things. And so I you know, just leverage my network to get those people into that business to help them. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hands-on when it comes to about three or four of the businesses. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's my way to give back. It's my way to help, help protect my investment. I'm selfishly help, you know, I might protect my investment, but, um, but no, I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really fun. Um, it's great to be able to just help and coach and, you know, the people that, you know, the, the you know, the guys that are, that are listening and that are engaging and that really want to learn. I mean, that's a lot of fun because you're, you're, you're making a difference and you're helping for the better. I love that. I think it's important. I mean, I, you know, so much I think from the investor world is, is that here's the money, see you later. And that's really not the case. And I think to your point, you know, when you say you're protecting your investment, you're right. You're protecting your investment. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, people, people, people put money in a wallet, you know why? So they protect it in their pocket, right? You right. don't just pin it to your shirt or stick it in your coat, whatever. I mean, it just makes total sense. Yeah. Um, so when, when you look at somebody, you look to walk in to invest with somebody, Give me just, you know, you walk in, what are the positive signs that like hit you right off? I mean, because looking at the balance sheets, you know, again, we talked about that. Look at the balance sheets, one thing. It's pretty cut and dry, but there's other signs around that. I want to kind of lean in a little bit on that. Like, what are the positive signs when you're assessing a startup that you sit there and go, oh, that's a great box to check for us? Yeah. So I would say, you know, the biggest thing is integrity. Um, And, you know, I'd start there as sort of the foundation is that, you know, that the people we're dealing with the team, the you know, management team, you know, has absolute integrity um, that they're willing to listen and learn is another thing. You know, a lot of, you know, you know, when I, when I sit down and talk with someone, you know, and I have a conversation, you can, you can pick it up pretty quick. If these people are willing to take criticism or willing to or constructive criticism, willing to learn, willing to engage, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, are willing to do that, you know, and they're, they're smart and wise enough to surround themselves with, you know, really smart people. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, a lot of times when you have a, when you have a founder um, and you, you see this, that they want to carry the ball every play. They think they know they have all the answers and they don't think they need the help. And 
you know, they sit there and complain to you about how they're working 80, 90 hours a week. And I'm like, well, okay, you're, that's self-inflicting. You're, you're doing this to yourself because you're not putting people around you to help you. And, and, you know, you trying to play hero ball, I call it, is not, you know, not, not effective. And so, you know, I, I look at that. I, I want to make sure that these, you know, these, these, the management teams or the founders are, are people that are willing to surround themselves with people, maybe even smarter than them. And, you know, and, and, and again, you know, being able to, you know, you know, assess yourself and say, hey, look, I'm really good at three or four things, but boy, you know, I need someone around me to help me you know, with maybe these other things that I'm not mm -hmm. so good at. And so, you know, and that's being mature and that's having some experience and, and just having some humility, but that's, but really those are the things I look at there. Um, you know, and then the other thing is, is a positive track record. You know, some of the, a lot of these folks that have been, you know, in start, you know, the, in the startup world, they've done it before, right? So if they've done it before and they've had, you know, positive outcomes, that's a really good sign. Um, I always look at. And then, um, yeah, just, you know, sort of that knowledge and experience, you know, is, is, is the biggest thing, you know, have they done it before? Um, that, that, that really helps. You know, you, you brought up again, and I want to, I want to go back to this because I think this is a really important part of not only startups, but businesses themselves, even existing businesses, you know, you talk about weakness up at the top and you talk about, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, you talk about somebody that's working 80, 90 hours a week, well, I understand that drive, that inspiration, that passion, a lot of that too, I, I think is a little bit of insecurity, sure. right? It's sure. not letting go. It's not letting, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Jack Welsh. And one of the things Jack Welsh talked about was surrounding himself by people way smarter than him because he doesn't know everything. His right. job is to keep the people that are super smart, motivated. That's what a great right. CEO does. Right. And, and um, you know, uh, I find it interesting that you brought it up and it's something that I try to teach when I'm working with my clients about, you know, especially the top, it's like, you've got to let go, right? Going home to dinner with your family is not a crime, right? It, that right. reset, that repurpose is super. And I can imagine that, the, and, you, and you're seeing it, you know, I'm seeing it company by company. You're seeing 10 at a time or however many is in your portfolio at a time. So it's got to be something that's a trend that's out there with these young startups. And I think that the, the advice that I guess I'm seeking to throw out on the table, and I think you would agree with me, sure. is these guys need to chill out a little bit and take a deep breath and recognize that, they are not going to win the race today alone right? Um, and to lean into people that can help them and to come alongside of them. And to your point earlier about mentorship, you know, a lot of what I do and a lot of companies that I work with, that's a big part of it is just being there to talk, being right. able to, whether you're talking them off a ledge or you're talking them up, you know, you're finding that point of inspiration today. Yep. You know, uh, I, I sent somebody a message yesterday that I was working with. I said, hey, just go tell somebody something good today. It'll make your day better right? As a leader, it's like yeah. uplift yourself in the deal. So I appreciate you saying that. And I'm not trying to pick on any CEOs or anybody that's out there, but I think it's really important for these young startups to recognize you are never going to win the race in one day. You will never, ever do it. You will lose the race in a day, but you will not win the race in a day. That's right. Yeah. So taking that first question, you know, talking about the positive science, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Tell me a little bit, some of the red flags, you know, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but yeah. I yeah. think more specifically, you know, you're looking at the leadership, you're looking at the books, this and that. And yeah. so give me some of the red flags that you just, you know, because I think I would imagine that you go into these meetings and your radar detector, your red flag radar detector probably goes off in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, so like we talked about lack of focus, you know, you know, you know, 
it's interesting, you know, they, these guys, you know, some of these, some of these companies, you know, that you talk to, they, they're trying to boil the ocean, right? You know, they're trying, to, <laughs> you know, they're, tr they're trying to new t-shirt, new yeah. t-shirt. That is a, right, I'm right, taking, yeah, I'm trying, right, to, I'm trying to boil the ocean. They're trying to do too much. And, and they, they have all these great ideas and there's, you know, they, they're like, and it's, it's a, you know, they think, you know, they think they, you know, again, this is a lack of experience, but, you know, on their part, but they're trying to just do all these things. And it's like, okay, well, realize you only have so much capital. You only have so many resources. You can't do all these great things. So you got to learn how to prioritize. And so it goes back to that focus. It goes back to the prioritization of, you know, you know, what's going to be the greatest value, you know, uh, long-term, there may be a really good short-term gain here, but it may not be the best thing long-term for the company. So these are things that I look at as red flags when I'm talking to people is, how focused are you? How dialed in are you? How passionate, passionate are you about your business? Um, and, you know, the other thing I look at, and, and this is not necessarily, this is, this has to do with maybe the, the value prop or the business in general, is just how big is the market? You know, I look at like, if we're looking at a, at a, at a business and, you know, they may have a really good value prop, but like the market's not that big and it doesn't have the potential to be that big or it's really crowded and, mm -hmm. You know, it's, you're trying to get into a business that's highly consolidated. Um, you know, if I, if, if someone came to me and said, Hey, do you want to invest in a, you know, in a produce distribution company in the Midwest? I'd say, well, not really. I mean, it's, it's a consolidated business, right? I mean, there's just, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of players in it and, you know, there's not enough room for maybe a, another one, you know, especially a startup. So, you know, I would say, you know, that, you know, so again, it's just looking at market potential, market size, those type of things is, is something that I look at as, as, as a red flag. So the integrity thing is big too, you know, and we talked about that, right? I mean, just making right. sure that these guys are, you know, you know, they'll say certain, you know, you can, if, when they start and, and say certain things and they, you know, when you ask them a challenging question or direct question, how they answer it, you know, is, is usually, a, um, you know, could be a red flag and, and how they you know answer the question if they backtrack if they don't know how to answer correctly um you know it, it's those are the things we look for you know for the most part so you're just you're kind of like shark tank except you get to go deeper yeah yeah well you need to i mean I, yeah you're right i mean it, it is sort of like shark tank in a sense right i mean you're you know but um yeah i mean i, I think it's all about just you know a good fit integrity piece and right. you know that's really what, what do you think? Um, you know, just kind of leaning into this a little bit, what do you think about all of this? Because this is a big topic, it certainly is in our space. What do you think about all this money coming into ag technology with all this, you know, going public, huge greenhouses, vertical farms, all this stuff? I mean, you know, there's I mean, there's literally billions yep. of dollars being poured into an industry that's not producing billion dollars worth of sales. You know, yeah. and I'm a I'm a big believer. I'm a big I believe in ag technology. I think it's something we have to sure. embrace if this planet is going to survive and we're going to feed all these people and we're going to do it effectively. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big it's not an and or or to me. It's an and conversation. Um, sure. But what do you think about all of this that's going in now? Because there's just a shit ton of money getting thrown at this space. I mean, have you what, what's your yeah. opinion? Um, well, look, I, you know, it's it's a good question. I would say that, you know, there is a future, right? There, there needs to be change. You know, there's going to be change. Um, there are, you know, you know, obviously these funds that are out there that are throwing money at this, 
they're they're trying to get ahead of it. They're trying to be the first, you know, sort of mover um, on the ground floor. Um, it's going to shake out eventually. I mean, I look at, you know, like I look at some of these grow houses that are, are coming up and my, because I've been approached to invest in, you know, in, in a couple of these, you know, these startups. And my, my, only, my question I always go to is like, okay, well, how much does a grow house generate in revenue for you? You know, what's the sort of economies of scale? Help me understand it. And I, and, and maybe I'm talking to the wrong people, but they always have a hard time explaining it. And when they do, it's like, okay, so, you know, it can generate $10 million a year in revenue. Okay. Well, you know, that doesn't sound like it's going to solve a problem. I mean, it's, it's going to, it's not going to solve the problem that, you know, because the problem is much bigger than $10 million. Right. And I get if you put a bunch of them around the, around the country, you know, it, it will, we'll, we'll start, you know, nipping at, you know, maybe some of the issues that we have from a carbon footprint standpoint or, you know, you know, and, and, you know, Know, food safety standpoint and, and and all those things that we talk about, but um, you know it's it's early. Um, there is a lot of cap in that in, in ag tech, and you know I think we you know it's, I think it's great because you know there's smart people out there that are going to solve these problems, and um, sure, sure. you know I think we're just going to have to be patient. And you know, it's you know, there's not one answer, um, but um, you know I I believe that you know we'll figure it out. So well, yeah. and thank you for for. For answering that, because I, it, it leads me into kind of my next my next question that I'm curious about, and that's kind of the VC lifespan. You touched on it a little bit earlier. Yeah. You know, it it seems like it's a three. To, you know, and again, I'm 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 putting up a big big umbrella over a lot, but it yeah. seems like it's a three to five year investment before these guys want to get out, or and gals, I shouldn't say guys, sure. um, before these folks want to get out and get their money back. And and I know that that that's great for. The VC guys, right? I know it's great for the money guys. They've made their money. They got their 6%, whatever the number is, they're looking to get out. But when they exit, I mean, it certainly does change. You know, the company changes when you start to put investment money into it, when you start to play to different masters, different philosophies, boards, all this other stuff. So from your position, swapping seats, right? So putting yourself into the small startup guy. Yeah. How much do you think those guys really put how much energy do you think they put into the, to the risk factor of bringing capital in, you know, because they've got this great idea and we know we could do it, but we need 50 more cents and we'll take that money. And then I don't, you know, do they really prognosticate what the three to five year exit strategy is going to be of that money and where that company's really going to be? Do you think those guys can actually see that? This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by RJO Produce. RJO Produce, closing the information gap in measuring fresh produce quality. Quality driven, quality delivered. Connect with us at rjoproduce.com. Um, I think there's blinders on there. I mean, I, I do, you know, I, as I, as I talk with some of these, you know, some of the companies that are, you know, looking for, you know, you know, additional capital, um, you know, they, they feel it, they, they know that they can get there. They just need that extra 50 cents like you were talking about. And so those blinders, I think the blinders come up to that, you know, what your, that, that potential risk or mm-hmm. what, what the outcome is going to potentially be. They may just say, look, man, I just want to get my company up and going and cash flow positive, And then I'll worry about the next step. And they probably don't put a lot of thought and they probably need to consider and put more thought into this. Like if I take this money, how's this going to change my ownership position? How's it going to change my position potentially in the company long-term? Um, and because, you know, 
some founders, you know, some founders think, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'm just going to be the president and CEO of this company forever. You know, I mean, people are, you know, people are investing in me. I mean, they're going to want to keep me here for the long term. And that's not the case, right? I mean, because as, you know, like you said, as, as, as companies recapitalize and, you know, you get bring in new money and, and different, you know, ownership and different, you know, people, you know, your, your job's always at a potential risk, right? And, you know, because they're always looking to maybe, you know, bring in their own people or, you know, a, a different thought process. And so, um, yeah, you know, there, there is a risk there. And I think it's a risk that probably doesn't get a lot of thought from a, from a founder, um, uh, you know, that, that probably need, they probably need to put more thought into it. I, I agree. Well, yeah. And I think I, and thank you for answering that. I think it's, you know, it, to me, I found it, it was kind of an interesting question because, you know, uh, you, you got to be careful what you wish for. Right. And, but, I, but what, and the reason I asked that question and because it, it, it hit me as we went through this conversation, I think it's really important that these, these guys that are looking for capital, they're trying to grow their businesses, that they recognize who they are as individuals, what their morals, what their values are, what's important to them, where's their integrity lie, and align themselves with people that can actually speak to that narrative. And so when you talked earlier about, you know, doing things for the socially conscious reading, integrity, you know, use that word multiple times, you talked about it. I mean, I think that, you know, as, as much as you're going to interview people, the startups need to be thinking, is this somebody I want to work with? Where am I going to be in five years with this guy? And I'm curious to know, and I guess it's a question I'm going to have to ask somebody starting that, but how much is that into the mindset? And I would think yeah. that yeah. maybe it is, maybe it isn't a little bit, right? Because the money's the money's what they're looking at. And that's yeah. why I was curious about that five years, you know, that company called, and you touched on it earlier, you know, about inheriting, you know, creating a culture, inheriting a culture. Right. It's definitely got to be a difference. Yeah, I love no, it. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit on us and and ask you a couple other questions and, and get off a little bit off the investment stuff a little bit. But what, you know, you're very inspired right now, right? It, you know, and I've known you a long time. You've, you've got a little, you've got a lot of wind in your sail right now because I believe that you are doing something that's touching your heart. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer in inspiration. I think if we worked really hard, if everybody in this country would just inspire one person every single day, we'd have a much better vibe in this country. Um, what what inspires you? I mean, what what fires you up, right? Because um, we all have to be fed emotionally, spiritually, you know, physically, and all that stuff. So, what inspires you? Well, I mean, you know, at this point in my life is, is giving back and making a difference, you know, and 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 really working with you know young, young folks that are, are trying to, you know, build something special and just provide guidance and mentorship. Um, you know, you know, what I, what I, I'm really enjoying right now is, uh, working with my, my two older boys. I have four kids and, and my, when my one son's graduated and he's, he's working in, in, uh, one of our startups, like I mentioned. And so I get to talk with him every day. We talk about strategy. I help him, you know, open doors, you know, cause he's selling a, um, a product that they, uh, they sell. And um, it's in the food space. So I'm helping him open doors. We're talking strategy. It's a lot of fun. So, I mean, I'm helping and grooming him, you know, just helping him learn how to have conversations because, you know, these kids, they, they go to school and, and, you know, they don't have any practical experience. And, and you know this better than anybody, Todd, you know, we're the people business, right? People need to like you. They're not going to do business with you. They, you may be the smartest guy that walks in the room, but if you don't have the, the, the social skills to connect with that person, especially if you're trying to sell something and concept of product or an idea whatever it may be um they're going to be turned off by it so um you know just 
helping them, you know, helping my, you know, sons, you know, my, my other son, he's, he's working for an investment banking company. Uh, he's doing an internship and a couple of the deals that he's on are in the food space. So I'm helping him and, and I'm helping him with strategy and I'm having a lot of fun just working with, you know, not only my boys um, on that front, but, you know, the, in this startup stuff, it, it gets me excited to just uh, be able to give back and, and really help and um, just, uh, you know, watch some of the stuff sort of happen. Um, you know, the other thing I enjoy is some of the guys that have left Kaido Foods, you know, I, I take a lot of pride um, in watching a lot of the, a lot of those guys, you know, move on and, and do really well. And some of them started their own consulting businesses and some have moved on you know, to, to some other, other great companies and they're doing really well. And they call me a lot of the times just for advice and, and guidance. And I'm there to help open up some doors and work with them. And, you know, I just got a phone call They're working on a, you know, a project and they wanted me to come in to help them and strategize about it. So I just get really excited about those things and I'm able to sort of do it when I want to do it and just really get after it when, when I want to. So it's fun. I love that. I, I love mean, that. Having, you know, we both have kids, older kids and having, you know, and my kids are both of my kids are in the produce business, um, which uh, my wife will get all the credit for them being super smart. I'll get all the blame that they're in the produce business, but um <laughs> You know, it's fun to listen to them. It's fun to listen to young people talk about the things that I remember talking about. And, you know, and, and back then, you know, back yep. uh, when I started, we didn't have electricity back then. But way right. back then, you know, there wasn't a, that sounding board and stuff. So I agree with you. Mentoring, giving back, making, taking a little bit of your time every day to inspire somebody. Oh, said yep. it twice. That's right. That's uh, right. It's super, yep. super important. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. I really do. I think that that is um you know, it says a lot about you as a person, but it also says a lot about you in reference to what we've been talking about, about investment philosophy, right? It's, it's, I think sometimes being a capital, being a capitalist is great. It's what built this country. Being a conscious sure. capitalist is certainly an, is, is a skill set. And I love to hear the fact that, you know, you, you were doing things with a moment of pause um, and reflection rather than, you know, rushing to hit that third rung of the ladder. And I think that's commendable, dude. I really do. And I appreciate that. And so to me, back to you, it's like, hey, it is the right thing to do. You know, I say to people all the time, even though I may not feel like it today, it's still the right thing to do. Right. And I, and I appreciate you saying that. So now I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. All right. I'm going to give a little fun with you now. We're going to play a little trivia. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to throw you out, see how much trouble I can get you with your family. OK, so tell me right now. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. You're playing for big. You're playing for prizes, too. Did you know all that? Right. Did All I tell right. you that? No, I didn't know. I didn't okay. Yeah, wait. That's because I because you're not. I'm just lying to you yeah. right now. All right. So right. tell tell me one tell me one thing you do that your kids hate you for. How do you embarrass them? Oh God, um, <laughs> it would probably be just you know, um, I'm a, a, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions and you know it gets on their nerves. Like I'm like over the top when it comes to just you know, like my my younger son comes back home from football. So how did practice go? You know. How did thing, you know, how did it go? What did the coach say? And he's just like, yeah, just leave me alone. I just got home. I want to eat. I want to shower. And I really don't want to talk to you right now. But I mean, it's, I think my kids, if they, I don't know about embarrassing, but the, the most annoying thing I do is probably ask too many questions at the, probably at the wrong time. You know, and my timing's probably not the best, but I just get excited to see them and I get excited to know what's going on in our life. So it comes from a good spot, but I got to probably do a better job of how I, you know, time my questions and, and, and uh, how many? Oh, they're young. They'll get over it. Hell with them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, just, just look back and tell me you can always change a lock on the door, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got the power. And as long as they don't say exist, 
you're good yes. to go. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So give, give me something on your bucket list. What's something that's on that list you haven't got to yet? Um, you, you mean like personally? Yeah, yeah, personally. What's on your bucket list? Something something you'd like to yeah, do so, that, you know. So, you know, my, my wife and I are getting ready to uh, celebrate 25 years of marriage, which, uh, you know. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, you know, in October. So we've never been over to Europe and we want to we want to try to get over there and, uh, you know, sort of, you know, check out, check out the, uh, you know, check out some, you know, some of the countries and, and enjoy the, you know, enjoy it all. Um, we're hoping to get there this year. Um, you know, hopefully COVID doesn't, uh, you know, stop us from getting there. But, uh, that would be a bucket list item for us right now, for sure. Well, you know, uh, COVID stopped here at 1159 on a Tuesday in California. So you guys right. come here. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, Tell me, you know, let's, let's see how good you, oh, you know, what's your favorite karaoke song? You're going to go up and fire up a little karaoke. What do you, what's your go-to? Ooh, yeah. Um, so, so I grew up, you know, listening to like, you know, you know Frank Sinatra, you know, Dean Martin, Bobby Darren. So probably, uh, you know, a, a, a favorite karaoke song of mine would be like, uh, you know, Lucky Lady, you know, by Frank Sinatra. I love it. Yeah. yeah. You know what? All you had to do is just say Frank Sinatra. You didn't have to name a song. It's like everybody's yeah. like, well, I can't, you know, Frank, done, over. Yeah, right. There's, right. No, there's nobody better. There's nobody yeah. better. I say one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life is Frank Sinatra. He's amazing. Oh, wow. You're able to see him live. Oh, I, saw Fra- I saw Frank Sinatra and Don Rickles was his opening act. And Frank oh, wow. came out in a black tuxedo in front of 18, 19,000 people and just owned the place. I mean, it was like, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. He that was amazing. Cool. Yeah, it was. It was very cool. He yeah. was. A, he was very, very cool. You, you just uh, talk about a presence, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. That, no, no doubt. I mean, to, ha- no. to feel like that amongst 19, 18, 19,000 people, it's like it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big Frank fan. So, cool. if you had a choice between French fries and a fully loaded baked potato, which one would you take? French fries all day long. Yeah, I don't know. I said the same thing when I was writing this down. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm doing fries. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm all about that. I yeah. love it. Man, I, I thank you for sharing. Thanks for sharing from your heart and being honest, right? I mean, because yeah. I, I, I think it's the only way to be. Well, again, it is. Yeah, and I agree 100%. Mind, you know, yeah. but, I, but I think people get this perception, perhaps, of, of equity and, and angel and VC, oh, whatever names you want to put behind it, as being a little bit of the pirates in the Caribbean, you know. Yeah plummaging and doing different stuff and they don't understand it. And I think it's important that people recognize that there's, you know, it is about the heart. It is about value. It is about morals. It's about integrity. It's about believing in something beyond what that could potentially be as a business. And I appreciate your openness and your honesty uh, in sharing with everybody today about that. I have, but I do have one final question I want to throw at you. If you could go back in time, back to 24 year old, 22 year old, 25 year old, Bob, what advice would you give him today? slow down, you know, um, stop and smell the roses, just enjoy what you're going through right now. I, I think young people, and, and, and this is just, just me, you know, but, but I think it's, you know, but I think this is more people in general. We just, you know, we, we, we just don't appreciate, you know, the moment. And um, as you get older and you, and you, and you look back at things and you just, at least for me, you know, like, like I was telling you earlier, like my time at Kaido Foods, you know, when you're young, you, it just goes by so quick and you just don't appreciate sort of what, how special it was and what we we're able to accomplish and build. And so if you're 20, you know, just, you know, just slow down, appreciate and, you know, um, and, you know, I would, I'd just say slow down and be patient, you know, it'd be, I, I love it. Yeah. 
That's great advice. It's yeah. absolutely great advice. Bob, I can't thank you enough for hanging out, man. I can't yeah, I really no, appreciate it's a pleasure, it. Pleasure, pleasure and absolute honor. And, you know, thank, thank you for letting me be a part of this. This is great. Dude, it's totally my, it's totally pleasure is all mine. And you come back, come back anytime. Let's keep, I know, I think this all is right. a conversation worth having. I'd love to have you come back. Yeah. Let's, you know, see what we want to do. Let's tackle some issues. Let's keep bringing it up in front of people because people want to learn. And I think yeah. that this is a part of our business world that people don't necessarily maybe understand all of it. So let's keep it going. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, I, I have no problem, you know, chronicling my journey, you know, in this, in, in this sort of next chapter, it'd be sort of fun and just, uh, you know, I'm an open book and, you know, hopefully people can learn from so, sort of what I've been doing and, you know, some of my uh, mistakes and some of my wins. So, yeah. I love it. Part two, part two. We just, we just decided we're having a part two. I love it. Awesome. Thanks brother. I appreciate it. Everybody. Right, thank you. So thanks everybody for stopping by and hanging out with me. Appreciate you. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by and checking out this episode of Todd Versations. We're really excited to have you. Really pumped for our guest this week, Bob Kirsch. Such a great cat. Uh, really a lot of information about what goes through the mindset of somebody that's in the venture capital game, that somebody's out spending their money trying to improve company and rich lives. I think what Bob does with KBB Venture Capital Partners is really cool. I think they epitomize conscious you know, stewardship. Um, he gives us some great insights and some great thinking about what folks in his position think about and what they look for in young companies. So check them out. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Huge shout out uh, to this episode sponsor, RJL Produce. Absolutely fantastic group of people to work with. Um, they do such a uh, such an impactful job in our industry, driving positive cost every day into the food supply. And I think that's something we need to embrace. So go check them out. Um, we really do appreciate their support. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That's really important to make this thing keep propelling forward. Uh, check us out on all the social media sites. That's where the cool kids are, and that's where we are. So uh, check us out at TLC underscore Toddversations. We appreciate your love and support. We appreciate all the positive feedback. We appreciate the suggestions of people to have on. Uh, we're excited about what's coming up next, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Bob. I think you're going to get something out of it. Take care, and remember, go inspire somebody today.